says, look at this. Look who got picked by God. He listens the split second I call to him. I love that. It fires me up. The second one is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And it's Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. He says, I, Paul, as opposed to I, not Paul. I, Paul, can you hear me? Because I'm the loudest person you've ever been here. I know, probably like an answer prayer for you. I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace that is poured into our lives by God, our Father, and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He is the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ. He takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. You had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people. Either. We're not just barely, oh, okay, back that up. Free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in the deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, on you. He had designs on you, on us, for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it, the message of salvation. You found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. The signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. That's Paul, and that's what he, one of the bajillion things he has to say to the church of Ephesus. Where are you? I'm going to pray for you. Can you repeat what that was again? Oh, yes. I thought you wanted me to read the whole thing. I was like, listen, I don't know you and you don't know me, but they, people that know me are sick. It's, I've dragged it on. Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Could you do that again in another version? Let me do it in the complete Jewish Bible. Okay. And then I'm going to do an interpretive dance of what I think it is. So, you strike it out. Okay, I'm going to pray for Ashley. Feel free to join me. God, we bring Ashley to you as she brings your word to us. We ask that you be her confidence, her clarity, and her recall. 
Protect her, Lord. You chose her today, just as the psalm said. You picked her for this moment, for this message. May she feel abundantly and be abundantly free to bring your message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. I love the sense of humor sort of just breaking up the room a little bit. So it always, thanks, Debbie. I appreciate that. Um, Good morning. My name is Ashley Kinsel, and I'm one of the leaders here at Awake. And I'm just curious, who has never been to Awake before? This is your first time. Thank you. We are so um, honored that you all would would trust us uh, with your Wednesday morning. And before I get started... If you ever have a question about the teaching, I want you to ask Casey or myself. We would never want anyone to leave here with a question or a concern or want more clarification. I just want you to know that please come find me or Casey, and and we'd love to to chat more about it. We do have a prayer team that, when I'm done, um, will be up over in that area, and I think two in the back, and Karen Dean. Karen, will you wave your hand? Karen is the head of our prayer team. And so she will sort of direct the teams. And if you want prayer, and obviously we encourage that um, continually, whenever you want it, go. If you're like, I want prayer, but I'm shy, go. Because it's the enemy holding you back, not yourself. So um, I'm really honored to get to start us off here at Awake. Uh, And so those of you that have never uh, heard me speak before, it's interesting. The Lord really wanted to go bold today. And I thought, okay, Lord, well, let's just let's you know catch everybody up and where we're going to go. So I want to set the stage a little bit before we uh, start into the sort of the depths of the teaching. But I hope what all of you heard when Debbie was reading Ephesians is that we are all chosen by God. Every single one of us is chosen by God. Not only us in here, but every single person that we encounter out there is chosen by God, which translates that we are all called by God. We are all called by God. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter your location. It doesn't matter your vocation. It doesn't matter your situation. We are all called by God. And that means every single person that's not in this room, but every single person that's out there that you're ever going to encounter, they are all called by God as well. And there is a divine significance on your life. If you have ever questioned if your life is significant or not, I'm here to just settle that for you today with the Lord that there is divine significance on your life. You have a divine purpose and you have divine callings. And what I want to do is I want to identify the difference between your divine purpose and your divine callings because we often mix the two up. We all have, we all have the same divine purpose. That is identified in Genesis 1:27 if you want to open your Bibles there you don't have to. I'm going to read it for you. Our divine purpose is to be made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That divine purpose will never change. Our whole journey in life here on earth is to be made in his image, is to mirror the Almighty, is to continually be refined in the image of God. That is our divine purpose. Over and over, year after year, day after day, we will continually get the opportunity to allow God to refine us and make us into his image. Callings are different from our purpose. Callings are the many hats that we wear, which means there are many callings on your life. There is not one calling. In fact, you can't ever miss your calling because there's many callings on your life. We're all called to be daughters because we're all here. We all had parents. But some of us are called to be moms. 
Some of us are called to be wives. Some of us are called to the arts. Some of us are called to the marketplace. Some of us are called to be ministers. Some of us are called to be teachers. You have many callings on your life. In fact, I was just talking with Javier, who's up here um, singing worship. And she was talking about how being in worship, singing, she had stepped out of that when she was 17 years old and had never come back up to the stage to lead worship again. And how the Lord is bringing that calling back around to her life. See, he never forgets the callings that he places on your life. She couldn't imagine how it was going to be, but here it is. She's, she's stepping into that calling. That calling was never lifted off of her. We will have many callings. And, and the callings, y'all, they move in seasons. And I want you to understand when I say seasons, God's timing is seasonal. We think of time in a calendar. January, February, March, April, weeks, days, months, appointments. That is not how God sees time. He, it is seasonal. So when we understand that God works in seasons, we realize that a season for a certain calling may come to an end, and it may come back around again, which removes that anxiety that, oh, my God, I missed my calling. No, you haven't. You can't. And God is not running out of time, and God never gets tired of you. It is seasonal. The callings on your life will be seasonal. And, and we think, well, what is my call? Well, the bottom line is we're all called by the one. And the more that you uh, spend time with him, the more your uh, understanding of your callings will evolve. The more you spend time in relationship with the Lord, the more he, your callings will evolve and you will grow capacity to handle them. I want to illustrate that by several years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago. Do y'all remember the tornado that came through San Antonio? Yeah, so we live in a, a community right there where it, it came through the community, and um, it came up off the little golf course there and then went through our, our entrance to our community. And at the front of our community, we have these beautiful, tall cypress trees. And one of the trees really, really was tall. It's like a little skyscraper. It just chopped off three-fourths of the top. I mean, the top was just hanging over. And I remember walking by, you know, the day after there was so much damage everywhere. And I was thinking, well, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Like, if they're just going to take that tree out or what they're going to do. Well, they ended up just, you know, just uh, leveling off where it had been broken off. So it was just, it looked like this little, little stump with this little, you know, like this, because it was just flattened. But what I've noticed over the years is that it is enlarged, and it has gotten bigger, and it has the most gorgeous flattened out canopy that just reaches over this territory. In fact, I was walking by there this morning, and I was like, wow. And God was like, that's what I do when you spend time with me. I enlarge your capacity to handle the callings on your life. The more you spend time with me, and what I hear people say so much is, well, I don't have a lot of time to spend with God. Yes, you do. The more you spend time with him, the more he gives you the patience, the endurance, the perseverance to handle the callings on your life. If you're running around stressed and anxious and, and worried, and you're not spending time with him, you're, you're missing the life giver. He's the one that recharges your batteries. He's the one that plugs you into the life source, which is him. Because without him, we don't do the callings on our life well. In fact, you know, being a mom, I mean, I, you're going to be challenged in that every single day. And I think the more and more I have allowed myself to rest in him, it has just made me a more patient, loving, not anxious mom and wife. And to be able to do this. Because I couldn't get up here and do this. Someone was asking me, does it ever get easier doing public speaking? Yes and no. 
kind of like what August shared. I mean, there's that little part that you still want to throw up. And then you're just kind of like, okay, Lord, you know what? Or there's that little part that you're worried, like, I might just forget every single thing that I thought. You know, there's still that. But the more I spend time with him, the more the conversations just evolve, and it's just easier to get up here and share. When we um, have our callings come under our purpose, which is to be made in his image, when our callings are, are a natural outflow of our purpose, we are not disappointed. We are not disillusioned. We may, be, um, we may encounter resistance, but a lot of times when we are in a place of severe disappointment, disillusionment, is because we have forgotten our purpose and we're trying to achieve our calling without that. When we work to... When we rest in our understanding that our purpose is to be made in his image, it is easier to fulfill the callings on our life. The Lord was very clear last Wednesday. We were gathered here. You know, we gather as a team before we, we launch. And I was standing here in worship on Wednesday. And he was, was very clear about um, exactly where he wanted to go today. Um, one of the most significant callings on your life. And this applies to every single person. We know we all have different callings, and we all will have many similar callings. But the most significant calling on your life, which is what we're going to unpack today, is finding your voice in the body of Christ. That's what we're going to go after today. That is exactly what the Lord wanted to hit on today. For thousands of years, we as women have lived with the guilt of Eve's suggestion on our lips. And we second-guess and diminish our voices, and it sounds like this. Did I come on too strong? Was I too emotional? Did I, did I talk too much? Did I make any sense? Am I just an idiot? I mean, what am I really saying? We tolerate diminishing our voices with second-guessing all the time. And guess who that sounds like? That sounds like the enemy. Because guess what? He has to second-guess his choice, his words, the rest of his existence, not us. We are chosen by him. Our words, the Lord may cause us to pause and reflect, but he does not bring in second-guessing, doubt, and confusion. That is not God. There were so many times years ago when I first started to um, publicly speak in ministry, and I would leave there, and I would feel like, oh my gosh, did I say, did I say this? Did I say that right? And I, it would all start, and then I just was like, no. I'm not, that is not what God would want me to do to go back and pick apart every single thing that I said. My bottom line became, did people know that Jesus loved them or not? If they did, then I succeeded. Bottom line, I'm done. Everything else was fluff. And honestly, I, that's how I approach every single time that I get up to minister is do did they know that Jesus loved them? Great, they did, and I did my job. The rest is up to God, you know. Um, we are chosen by God, predestined before creation, so he may cause us to pause and reflect and, and help us redirect our words, but he does not bring it in a form of second-guessing, doubt, or diminishing, or double-mindedness. We are called to establish his excellence with our declarations that line up with his work. We are called to establish his excellence on this earth with our words that line up with his word. So what I want to, a little side note to that, I want to explain the difference between a declaration and a request. A declaration is an agreement in the power and authority of God's word. So it sounds like this, God, 
You are good, period. That is a declaration. A request sounds like, will you please? It's a question. And the Lord is, is, is moving us into a season that we really get a hold of understanding of what it means to declare his goodness. I can think of a thousand different examples in my own life, uh, especially relationally, where uh, things, uh, circumstances have been unpleasant. And I have just had to move, saying out loud, I, I definitely am... am uh, a believer in saying it out loud to just get into that moment and say, God, there are no dead ends in you. Lord, you see this situation. God, I believe your goodness is going to pour through this situation. God, you are the God of opportunity. You're going to open this door. Lord, I just, and I just begin to declare his goodness into this situation. I don't come with a request. I move with a declaration because I know that he will. Jesus always moves. I don't doubt that he will. So there's a big difference when we understand that we can move in a declaration versus a request. I believe right now, and, I, and the, the, the Lord brought this to my attention this whole last week, simply this whole talk was based on a dream I'm going to share with you in a minute, but I believe there is an extraordinary move on women right now in the body of Christ, in this generation that will be raised up to know how to raise up a sound with extravagant grace. And encourage one another. This is not what you see in the media. This is not what you see on social media or on the networks. What you see is women tearing each other apart with their words. Because the enemy is working overtime right now. To confuse our voices. To tear at one another. But God is really highlighting women right now. To come into the knowing of finding their voices in the body of Christ, and it doesn't come in the form of insults, complaining, berating, or insulting each other. Last week, God gave me a dream, and I'm going to share this dream with you. I often maybe don't, but I, I'm out of obedience today. I'm going to. In the dream, I am with my, my daughter, who is, if she was her age that she is right now, so she's just to be, about to be 20. And we're in my grandmother's house, but it's not really my grandmother's house, and I'm going to tell you about the significance of that in a moment. And we're walking through, and there's corridors and hallways, and I, there's an open door, and out of this open door, I hear this music, and it is, it is demonic and dark in nature. And the music is coming from this certain space, and it's beckoning me to come down this hallway. And my spirit is rising up, and I know what I'm trying to say, but it's like glue is in my mouth. I'm just like, like nothing is coming out, and I just press in, and I continue to press in, and all of a sudden I say, the blood of Jesus covers his house. And I just begin to declare it over and over, and I begin to march through this house, and all of a sudden I hear the angels in chorus around me. I hear the, the trumpets of heaven begin to sound. I hear all of heaven, all the worship in heaven begin to break through and completely, completely take over the territory in this house and shut the demonic down. And I woke up and I just was like, oh, wow. It was one of those dreams that I was, I was not dreaming. I was doing. I was in that. And I am just like, oh, this is strategy. This is strategy. The blood of Jesus covers this house. Amen. Not only just the statement, but the declaration, but, but the ability to break through. How many, how many of you know we all say, we want breakthrough, we want breakthrough. In order to get breakthrough, something's got to break down. Huh. In order to get breakthrough, something's got to break down. 
And the reason I believe I was in my grandmother's house is because the Lord is showing me this is what he's doing. We are breaking through for generations of women that have felt shut down, exhausted, muffled, hushed, uh, second-class citizens that haven't known how to raise up a voice that that's what he's doing right now. That's who we are. We are leading this charge, and it was no, no accident that my daughter is with me because we're doing this for the generations to come. It's extraordinary. So what God does, I'm always about the how with him. He gave me very specific strategy to share with you all because I thought, how do we stay unique when we are called as one? How do we remain unique in an era where comparison seems to be the standard and perfectionism the currency. How do we do that, Lord? So God highlighted five strategic postures, and I'm not going, they're not given to you in any specific order. I really believe they're circular in nature, which means they surround us, which it is more of a posture of our heart. It's something that we absorb at one time. It's not a checklist. I know we, we like checklists. We like to go one, two, three. But he just gave me these five uh, strategies that, that, like I said, have no preferential order. How are we doing on time? Doing okay? All right. Um, the first one. The first one was actually a question. And he said, are you willing to be vulnerable before me? So the question is, are we willing to be vulnerable before the Lord? Whether it's in public whether it's in private, are we willing to lay it all out before him, to own what's going on inside and be real with him, where we can ask for his perspective? Y'all, he doesn't set us up to be vulnerable with him, to condemn us. He asks to cleanse us. That's exactly what Ephesians was, was uh, Debbie was reading in Ephesians. The Lord asks us to be vulnerable so that he can cleanse us. Perfect example is what August, when she got up to leave worship, what was the first thing she said, you know, y'all, sometimes I get anxiety. Right there, she was just vulnerable before you all and the Lord. She just laid it all out before him. Because there may be people who are like, man, I wish I could worship like August. That, that's the key right there. Like, she doesn't sit before her piano or, or writing a song or whatever it is and think, I have to be perfect for God. I have to look a certain way. She's like, Lord, I'm going to lay it all out. I have, I have anxiety right now. And all these people are going to stare at me, and they're going to want me to lead worship, and I'm having anxiety. And what she did was she deflated it when she just said, hey, you know, this is what happens, but I'm not going to put up with it. I agree. I was like, go, August, amen. I mean, I could stand up here and say, there's no other vulnerable place than, than standing up here and Hopefully, you're going to recall everything you wrote down. But praise God, it's working so far. Um, the Lord holds dear our vulnerability with him. He treasures that because he knows that the minute you decide to be vulnerable before him, you're no longer tolerating being separated from him. The minute you, you lay your request, you are, are holding on to the intimacy. You are inviting him in to be intimate. I think about um, the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, and I'm not going to read, read it all because I think I've got five points to get there and it would take too long. But if you want to reference it, 1 Samuel 1, Hannah was um, a woman who was married and her husband had two wives. Hannah could not have children for years. She could not have children. And his other wife, I believe her name is Penna, constantly tormented her. 
and degraded her and diminished her and made her feel horrible because she could not have children. And so they go up to praise the Lord, to worship the Lord, and she just decides, you know what, I am just going to lay it all out before God. Like, I am just going to lay it out. And she just gets in there, and she just lays out her heart before the Lord. She worships him. She's so moved in her heart and her spirit that the, the priest that is there, his name is Eli, thinks she's drunk. Because she's standing there, and her lips are moving, and she's crying, and she looks like a hot mess. <laughs> she looks like a hot mess. And... Um, after she completely lays it out before the Lord in, in uh, verse 18, it says she went away, she finally ate something, and she was no longer downcast. The point is that our vulnerability before the Lord cleanses us. It did not say in there that, oh, the Lord told her she was going to get pregnant. She didn't know that. She just laid it all out before him and allowed him to be near to her and hold her and comfort her and encourage her. And she went out, and then, sure enough, she does get pregnant. The point is, our vulnerability with God just draws us closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to him. That's what draws us into intimacy. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to wear a mask. There's nothing. God just wants you just as you are. Number two, the Lord asks, are you willing to own that you, unique you, has value deposited in you by the Lord that was there even before you were born? Are you willing to own that you? who you are right now, as you are, wherever you are in your life, that you have value that was put in you by the Lord before you were ever born. If I stood up here on stage and I had a, a lots of wrapped up presents for every single person, our expectation would be excitement and good because we would think, wow, there's something really exciting and good going on going to happen in those presents. Why don't we do that for ourselves? Why don't we expect that good in us to be unwrapped? That underneath all of this is something extraordinary and valuable. That I don't need to look to out here for validation. Why don't we do that? And why, as, as women, are we not good about doing that with others? By calling out the good. By reaching out there and encouraging and saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what this person's acting like. There is something valuable that has been deposited in them before the creation of the world, and they are predestined to be of value to the Lord. Why? Y'all, let's, let, let's stop that. Let's change that. When we can, can learn to be an encouragement not only to ourselves, and I really, really believe if you are someone who's like, I really want to have the gift of encouragement, start with yourself. Start with yourself. Because if you can't encourage yourself, it's going to be really hard for you to encourage other people. It's going to sound superficial. It's not going to come off right. It's, it's going to be lukewarm. Um, it's going to be depending on their temperature. You're just going to, you're going to, if you can't encourage yourself, it's going to be really hard to encourage other people around you. And let me just say this, that uh, as women right now, we really, really do need encouragement. We just read in Ephesians, it says that you are marked by the Holy Spirit. And I, and I want to tell you that that mark, it's not like a check mark on your forehead. It is a light that is inside of you that can never, ever, ever be extinguished. It is a light that shines brighter than the natural eye can see. And it can only be hidden. You remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. 
your mark. That's what the Holy Spirit sealed you with. Don't hide it. Don't diminish it. When you begin to raise up your voice in extravagant grace, knowing that God chose you, called you, has a purpose on your life, then that light goes out from you and it expands and it illuminates and it captures the attention of every single person around you. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you are. You have value inside of you that has been deposited there before the beginning of the world and do not let this world tell you different. And I, I, I truly believe this, that when we get a hold of that, when we get a hold of that, strip clubs are going to shut down because women are going to know their body. Yes. When we get a hold of that, there ain't going to be such a thing as prostitution because women are going to know their value. When we get a hold of that, child protective services isn't going to exist anymore because women are going to rise up and be moms that are loving and nourishing in their callings and who they are. That's what I believe. That's what I believe, and that's what I believe God is saying. Would we be willing to believe that not only for ourselves, but for every single person out there, every single person that we encounter? Number three, do you trust God's goodness for you? Do you trust his good for you? Because if so, you'll be able to go anywhere and be led by him, and your words will reflect his strength and confidence. I was sitting outside the other day. I am loving the rain. I, I, I'm like, please don't complain about the rain, people. My plants were dying. I am loving the rain. I'm sitting on the porch outside, and I'm just sitting there enjoying the rain. And I heard the Lord say, can you count the raindrops? And I thought, no. And he goes, that's how much I want to bless you. That's how much I want to bless every single woman. Every single person. That's how much I want to bless you. It's interesting. As women, we can be like, yes, God is good and he, he wants to bless everyone. But when you stop and say, do I believe that he personally wants to bless me? There's a hang up there. It's just generations of deflecting anything good our way. It's just a generational thing I think we've lived with as women is, you know what? Let me take care of everybody else. Let me make sure everybody else is good. And then I might have something left over for myself. And if you're like me, by the end of the day, I find myself often just sitting staring at a wall. Because I'm tired. Um, and you're always sort of on call, you know, waiting for the next shoe to drop. Um, God wants to bless us. God wants to bless you. There is not anyone that I'm looking at right now that God's like, I want to bless everyone but that person. No, he wants to bless every single one of us. This is the biggest obstacle to receiving. It happens when we're doing a prayer, one-on-one -on -one prayer. That we, we, so what we do, we have to spend time working around why you believe God doesn't want to bless you. And then we can finally get to what they're really wanting to come for. But if you can get a hold of this now, and it could just jumpstart everything else for the rest of your life, because it wouldn't really matter what situation you're in, you would just be like, God wants to bless me. My son and I were having this conversation. He's a sophomore. He's our youngest one at home. It's, um, so the other two are in college, and he was, uh, he's an athlete, and so he's on the football team. And he's like, yeah, and coach said one of us, one of us is getting moved to, to Nickel. He's played football. And... Um, and I'm like, well, I was like, you know, Richard, he's like, and I, I mean, if that happens to me, like, I'm just, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be so, you know what he said, he said, mm, not a nice word. And I said, okay, so he's like, hang on, hang on, you, let's look at this 
that in every way that you move, God is wanting to bless you. Every single thing that we're doing is an opportunity. Well, by the time the weekend came around, he goes, Mom, you can't move me. I'm, I'm the only one in my grade. He's a sophomore that's on varsity. You can't move me out of that position. Well, he was right. But my point was, everything that happens in our life, if we look for the blessing, if we look for the increase versus the lack, it's going to open up so much more. You know, we, 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 we want to think missed opportunity. Oh, my gosh, well, God, you know, this isn't just how it's going to go. He wants to bless you in all things. In all things. Um, have y'all, on Netflix, there's a specific documentary, and if you haven't seen it, it was brought to my attention by someone else that's called Zion. And this particular, it's like 15 minutes, and I encourage you to watch it. It's about a young man who was in foster care in and out. He was born just with feet, so he's from the waist up and just has feet. And his mother finally adopted him. He is an incredible wrestler, and he wrestles with people that, that, are, um, that do have legs. He does not have legs, and he's gone to state. I mean, he has gone so incredibly, incredibly far. But when you listen to his mom, she prayed, and she knew how to declare, and she knew how to declare that God wanted to bless you. And he does not think of anything in his life as a handicap. In fact, on, the, on his back, it says, no excuses, is tattooed on his back. It is incredible. And I think that mama got a hold of understanding that God wanted to bless not only her, but her son, and she held that atmosphere until he could come up and grow up into the knowing that God wanted to bless him no matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, no matter what he looked like or didn't look like, and he has run with that. And it is quite extraordinary. So when you get into that um, thought that, yes, God wants to bless everybody, but maybe not just me, I want you to remember there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. The standard of the kingdom of heaven is equality for all and blessing for all, for all. Number four, unity does not mean excuse me, conformity. There is permission in the body of Christ to celebrate our individuality. Unity does not mean conformity. What's fascinating is um, just this team of women on awake. There's so many of us. We're all uh, different ages, different heights, different looks. We are all individuals, yet we all have one heart. Because I'm just falling apart up here. Um, we all have one heart. When we read the Bible, we realize it's made up of various people, various ordinary people, writing down their extraordinary relationship with God. God needs our distinct voices today and now to go out and release the sounds of heaven. It's always fascinating when, you, when you're reading the Bible, you realize, you know, Peter doesn't sound like Paul. John is distinctly different than Luke. Yet God capitalized on all their differences to be of one heart. Their whole message, the heart behind their whole message is the same, yet they all sound very different. In Acts 4, um, you read about when Peter and John are released from prison. And what happens is they're gathering everyone because they're realizing the, the persecution that's, that's coming at them, what they're having to deal with. And the word says they raise up their voices together in prayer, and they ask to speak his word with boldness. See, the world needs your unique voice in your unified heart with one another. The world needs the unified heart of Jesus Christ in the unique voices of every single one of us. Because there are people in this room that may leave me like, I did not resonate with her at all. But they might come next week and they'd be like, wow, 
I really resonate with Casey. Like everything she said was just boom, boom, boom. That's the beauty of team is that we are all unique in our voice in the way that we are, but we are all unified in heart as one. And that's what the Lord is calling us to understand that unity does not mean conformity. Religion promotes conformity. We all look the same. We all sound the same. We all do the same thing. Relationship celebrates the individual in each and every one of us. Number five, the last one, celebrate his complete work in you. This is a mind shift to really understand that what Jesus did, what he did for all of us is complete and done. It is finished. We are complete works in the eyes of God. We will walk this out on our journey here on earth, but we are complete in our image of who we are before the Lord. You never heard Jesus start a prayer from a place of lack. He started by celebrating the, the completeness that God had already done. It might sound like, thank you, Father. He started in gratitude, or it might have been, pick up your mat and walk. He never went and, and spoke to the problem or the lack. He always opened his mouth from a place of completeness, from abundance. It is done. It is done. You are be healed. It is done. He always called things into being that didn't exist yet. Romans 4, 17, it says, calling things that are not as though they were. Y'all, that's the key for us. That's, that's the voice that you have. Because if we are created in the image of God and we understand that God created the, the world into existence through his words, your words create worlds. And your words are a deposit. Every single word out of your mouth is a deposit into something. So you have the power and the authority to call things into existence that are not. That's why we go after healing. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. That's why I won't stop going after healing, because I don't want to miss that opportunity. That's why we can speak into our children's lives, our husband's lives, and we can call things out that are not. You, my son, are complete in your identity. I remember so distinctly my daughter in second grade was diagnosed with dyslexia. Did anyone have a dyslexic child in here? And dysgraphia, and there were some other dys things happening. And I remember distinctly her teacher telling me, look, just expect her to be average. And if she even gets to average, then be good. Don't expect much out of her. Don't expect her to be organized. You know, I just left there like this. I mean, I was devastated. And I thought, no, no. And I just began to, to speak the complete work of Jesus Christ over her every single day, every single test. I would say, Georgia, the spirit of wisdom is upon you, Lord, right now. I just say that these words on this paper will not scramble. You will recall information. And this, this daughter, she still calls me every day she's going to take her test. She, by a miracle, got into Texas A&M. And I mean by a miracle. There was no way this child would have gotten into A&M by the standards they are today. She made the dean's list last year. And she calls me every single time before she goes to take a test, and we just pray. Lord, I just thank you for clarity. Lord, I just thank you that her brain is so perfect. I just reminded her every day. I said, Georgia, your brain is beautiful. You have this beautiful, beautiful brain. See, I came from that place of completeness. I was not going to let a label set a destiny for my child. And, y'all, we cannot do this for ourselves, for our children, for our husbands, for our families. He has predestined us. We are made in his image. Our calling should reflect the purpose on our lives, which means we have got to settle that we, we can pray from a place of completeness and we can use our voice 
to declare his completeness not only in our life, but the life of our loved ones. I want to wrap up with this uh, true story before we uh, finish, and then um, we're going to, I'm going to pray over y'all, and we're going to do a little worship. Um, Let me just take a sip of water, sorry. I get talking so fast that, wow. Anyways, if you are not encouraged or ignited or excited right now, I'm going to tell you the story, and if there's any one of you who leaves here and thinks, I don't know how to use my voice, this story is going to show you. Because you can't hear this story and then walk out of here and think, well, I'm afraid to say something. Well, I'm afraid. You, you just, you're you're going to be rocked. I heard this story by a man. His name is Will Ford. You can look him up on the internet. He's a marketplace minister. Will has this kettle, cast iron kettle, that was passed down to him through his ancestors that were former slaves. It's 200 years old. They were slaves in Louisiana. This kettle is huge. And what these slaves would do with this kettle is quite amazing. Because their slave master forbid them to pray. They were believers. They forbid them to pray. And if he caught them praying, he would beat them. These slaves took this kettle. They used it to cook. They used it to wash. But at night, they had something very different. They would take this kettle and they would drag this kettle into the barn. And some of them would stand out to watch. And they would turn this kettle over and they would prop it up with rocks. And then some of them would get down by the kettle and they'd get on their knees or they'd lay prostrate. And they would begin to whisper and call their prayers into that kettle. And they would say, God, you will free us. You will not only free us, but you will free our children. God, we believe that we will be freed and we will no longer be captives, Father God. That you will give us strength and night after night. They pray for a generation to be free. And if you want to leave here and you want to tell me that your voice doesn't matter, I want you to remember them. Because they're sitting on the edge of heaven right now and they're saying, go, don't be silent. We have been silent too long. You move in the grace and the power and the authority that God has given you because there is a generation out there that is dying because they don't know who they are. They don't know the life that they carry. You are born for this. You think of them sitting there laying down, praying out for their freedom. Oh, that's who we are. That story rocked me, and it will continue to rock me when I ever feel silenced, when I ever feel like I don't matter. Those prayers led a generation to freedom. They became a fragrance before the Lord. And I cannot wait to meet them when I get to heaven and say, wow, God, the courage that you had. I want to pray over you, and if if you're willing to receive it, you don't have to, but I'd like for you to stand, and I want you to put one hand on your heart and the other on your throat. Then we're going to move into worship just for a little bit, and then August will close us out in prayer, and there'll be prayer teams here and prayer teams in the back. So, Lord, right now, I just thank you, Father God, that you are releasing a sound from every single person in this room, Father God. I thank you that we are trumpets of glory and grace and mercy, Father God. And I just come against right now in the name of Jesus Christ any way that any woman in this room has felt muffled or hushed or silenced or, or less than, Lord, or anything that has made them feel like they aren't significant or they don't have anything to say or they can't say the right thing or they mess everything up, Lord. I just come against that in the name of Jesus Christ and I just command it to leave right now. 
Lord, that they would raise up a sound, that they would have the courage to speak boldly, Lord, with grace and truth, Father God. That, Holy Spirit, you would be our voice coach for this season, Lord. That we would hear the, the words, Lord, that would come out of our mouth and we would think, thank you, Holy Spirit, because you know exactly what to say and when to say it. And I thank you, Lord, that we can lean and rest into that, Lord. That we can all be unique yet united as one in heart because we are called by the one. Lord, I bless them, Lord. I bless them that this week they go out and testimonies begin to erupt in their lives, Lord. Right now, Lord, we call off voices of disruption. And Lord, I ask that we would erupt in one magnificent voice for the body of Christ. I thank you for waking us up. I thank you for getting these people here today, these women here today, Father God. I thank you for their trust. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, let's just worship for a little while. Let's just, let's just ignite what the Lord has just done. And if you felt hesitant before to worship, just raise up a sound. If you felt like you wanted to pray, just pray. It's the best time to pray out loud and worship. No one can hear you. It doesn't matter. But just trust Him. Trust Him that there's a sound rising up inside of you that this world needs to hear.